the sold-out five-star play is returning to Webster's Theatre. This is where we get off by Ingram Noble and Heather Spiden follows the Moffat family through some of the most difficult days of their lives. Yvonne is seven months pregnant, her husband Philip is constantly disappearing and leaving dodgy phone bills behind, their 18-year-old son Lip is debating joining the army and trying to navigate his love life, and their dog-breeding, sex-toy-selling neighbour Rhonda is still doing her weekly shop in their kitchen. How will they cope with the unexpected arrival of an estranged family member? Make sure to get your tickets from the link in the show notes below to see This Is Where We Get Off at the Webster's Theatre on the 11th of February 2023. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout, the UK's third best drama podcast. We are continuing the two-year anniversary celebrations with another episode today. It's episode 115 and as per usual, my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout and for today's episode, I am joined by the absolutely wonderful Jared Garfield. Drama school dropout, no graduation day for you. Drama school dropout, don't you hold course, now try something new. Drama school dropout. Welcome to the podcast, how are we? Very good, thank you, yeah, how are you? I'm doing good, apart from the fact that the one day that I'm recording this week, it's decided to piss down and it's hitting right off my windows. So if anyone can hear the rain, I do apologise, but I also live in Scotland. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, exactly. That's it. I mean, I was in Ireland a few weeks ago and the sun was shining. It was so unusual. It was mad how the weather's just like clicked and it's back to like normal Scotland and I'm like okay I wanted it to be a bit cooler but not rain and wind. It's all dry down here but it's cloudy so it's ominous. I describe it as ominous. Yeah. We'll send this down to you you'll have a great time. Magic. I mean I'm coming down south on Thursday so I might bring it with me. Yeah for those listening I'm in North London so. I'm not going that far south. South, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to Newcastle. I'm just going home for the weekend. God, you call that south? My God. Oh, my my south divide, like my north south divide, is quite a like controversial opinion. It's controversial anywhere you go. I mean, listen, man. Like we have this whole thing in London. Anywhere north of Birmingham is north. Well, I said that to someone the other day, and they were like, "Well, I class Milton Keynes as north," and I was like, "You need to get a life." Disgusting. I'm yeah, sorry. my. My north south uh, my north south um, border is Manchester. Okay, so Sheffield, but, yeah. So because so, to us, yeah, I mean Sheffield, any of that sort of area, that's that that's very north. That's very north, but not for you. I think it's when you when you start talking correctly, that's when it gets south. Awesome. Wow! Wow! <laughs> I listen. I'm a fucking northerner. I talk fucking. I don't talk correctly. You're allowed to say it. You're allowed to say yeah, it. I, I love the North. I was in London in, when was it? In When was the really hot day? The 40 degree day. I was there for that, whenever that was. And I, I had like this grand idea when I left drama school. I, my mum lives in Chichester. So basically like 40 minutes away from London. And I was like, I might move down, you know, like I might, I might move and do this like acting thing and try and make it work. I went there for two weeks and I was like, get me home, get me home. At the worst time, you came out the worst time. See, during that forty degree day, I was actually in, in in Manchester, and it was. I mean, it wasn't much cooler. I think it was like thirty eight. Yeah, <laughs> like over. it wasn't the heat for me. It was just I. I think London's too fast paced for me. Okay. Like I was walking down Oxford Street, and I couldn't just walk. Yeah, I mean, you're you're. When you re- you refer to Oxford Street, I mean that is you're talking about possibly the most sort of <laughs> populated area of London. Area in the whole city. I mean London, obviously the way London is now, it's it, it seems London gets bigger because the way you know house prices are and the way things are generally, like you feel like the city is just always expanding. So when you say London now, you could be talking about a lot of places. So you're yeah yeah you need to see come. Next time you come to London, let me know, man. I'll, I'll, I will I'll, do. I'll show you the, the the sort of less concentrated areas where you can actually walk around and see a bit of greenery. Do you know? You know what I mean? Just slower pace. It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. I've also, I think I've just discovered that I just love Scotland. Like, I think it's just my oh. place. Where are you from originally? 
So I'm from Glasgow. I lived here for 12 years and then my mum and dad split up and I went to Newcastle with my dad. But my mum's from London. My dad's a Geordie. I grew up bang smack centre in the middle of Glasgow. I've got a fucked up accent. Yeah, I've never been to Glasgow, but I love Newcastle. It's a wonderful city. It's a shit night out. Wow, wow. You are you are coming with controversial views. I don't know if it's just because I grew up there. Like That's why. That's got to be why. Because I've, I've been to Newcastle a handful of times and always had a great night out there. And I know it's got a good reputation. And usually that would mean, it, it, it you know, that, that could usually sort of um, mean it would be a bit disappointing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But if I've got that with Newcastle, it absolutely... Just match my expectation. I had a great night out there. Although I, I, I stand by this, best night out in in the UK is Liverpool by by a country. Mark. Best night out in the UK, and this is coming from somebody who doesn't drink anymore, is Glasgow. Okay, well I've never been to Glasgow. You so. need to cut. I'll show you around. Okay, boom. But like, hear me out on the Newcastle thing because I'm aware it is a controversial opinion. Newcastle used to be a banging night out. And then it got a reputation for being a banging night out. And all of a sudden, we were seeing these southern drink prices in the north. It's It was mad. Like it, And then Geordie Shaw didn't help. I grew up during the Geordie Shaw, like, boom. So yeah. it turned into, like, a massive tourist attraction. And everything, like, every nightclub in the city had been featured on this massive TV show. Yeah. And now, like, we couldn't get into, like, Bijou. Because it was filled with like tourists. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that see, you've you've made a good point there. I've not been there really since I, I guess that that boom, the, the boom that you described. Yeah. Or um, no, fair. I mean, southern prices in Newcastle. I have to see it to believe it because when I was up there, I mean, they were they were doing like quarter mixer for fiver or whatever it was. I think it was even less. It was it was absolutely carnage. carnage. In Glasgow, you can get two trebles for a fiver. Boom. I'm coming to Glasgow. <laughs> I might, I might, I might, I might little check out what's going on with the trains. Even though, I'm not- <laughs> well, they're all on fucking strike just now. I'm trying to get down to go home, and I've got to like travel at the most awkward times, change at the most awkward of places. I've got to go past yeah. Newcastle actually, and yeah. then come back. It's a night on it. Solid solidarity with the railway. Yes, obviously, and um, pay people fucking money. They fight for all of us. Yeah, it's like, I, I do find it mad. And it's like, today, Liz Truss has came out and said that she's not going to stand by Boris's pledge to raise benefits in line with inflation. And uh-huh. I'm just like, uh, do these people just like, they obviously do live in another reality. They don't get it. And it's yeah. it's madness to me. And I can't wait for the independence referendum next year. Fair play to you. I've always, I, I always watch as a, a summoner in the, with, you know, the Scottish um, independence movement. And I'm always hoping and praying that you stay with us because we need the progressive Scots. But if I was Scottish, if I was in your position, I, I it, you know, I'd find it very hard to, to vote. I voted no the last time. Yeah. And, but now, like, I just look at it and we've been ruled by a Tory government that Scotland didn't vote for. Never vote for. You never we vote. never voted for them. We got we didn't vote for Brexit, and that's being pushed upon us. And, like, they're just doing, like... Like, I'm sure it would, like, be classed as some sort of violation of human rights in some places, what they're doing. and Yeah. They, they're, they're not going to let you go, you know. They're going to make it so hard. <laughs> they are... I, the top, like... I genuinely think that we'll, it'll come to a civil war if they don't. Like Scott, we're we're sick of it. Like I don't know the best way that I can describe it is it's like it's like you being told what to do in your own house. Like you pay all of your rent, but then I'm turning around and saying no, you can't spend your money on that nice um new TV. You have to give it to me. And don't get me wrong, I'm aware that we get like shit from Westminster and we put in. I'm I'm not claiming to be the expert on Scotland England's relationship. But yeah. I think just the general atmosphere of the union at the moment isn't great. But before we move on from politics and alienating half the audience, I would just like to say, doesn't matter who you vote for or anything, but please go out and vote, read manifestos, do what you think's right and what's best for you. But um, go and vote. That's the most important thing to take away from all of this and fuck the Tories. Here, here. <laughs> but how's life? Because we're in this really weird sort of, um, like go-between between a pandemic and normal life because like obviously actors we sort of rely on being in the room yeah 
Indeed, indeed. Um, it's uh, do you know? Do you know what? It's just been a, a massive kind of mental and physical transition this whole period, and it's actually been in some ways quite useful. Uh, if we're if we're going to talk, you know, from a very technical point of view in terms of the acting of being able to find your way through or to motivate yourself, you know, with a scene and a script without being in the room and without having that face to face contact or that kind of you know, I guess what you would call the pressure of the room, yeah. which is something that I've always kind of thrived off and depended on and quite enjoyed having that direct audience as opposed to having, you know, my girlfriend or my mum or my, my mate behind the camera in my living room. It, it At first, you kind of feel like the magic is, has kind of just been sucked out of the process a little bit. And there is just that physical thing of just being at home, you know, be it doing the tape or a Zoom meeting or whatever. You're not actually leaving your house. It, it does take time to adapt to that and to essentially, yeah, just get used to it, really. But but it's really important. And actually, I've been thinking a lot about this in terms of self-taping and Zoom meetings. It just means that casting directors can meet more people that they other probably that they otherwise wouldn't mm. be able to. There are lots of benefits to it as well. And I just think with any... But I don't know how many of the self-tapes they're actually watching. Because well, it's an impossible task, and I know that. I understand that, and I hear that a lot. And I understand that people would feel perhaps sceptical about it, given that the reality is casting directors are going to struggle to give responses to all self-tapes. It's, it, I, I understand that, but the way I see a self-tape, just generally anyway, or any audition, it's it's an opportunity to to prepare a script and to do it. Yeah. Oh, it's time and you're not getting paid to audition and that can be quite draining and at the end of the day we all have to make money particularly now. that's your second job as an actor is auditioning yeah but it's also the job it's yeah just the job. like it is that is the <laughs> that's what that's just what you have to do you have to prepare scripts learn lines with absolutely no guarantee of anything going beyond that that is i think yeah the sooner you sort of just allow yourself to accept that reality. You know, the more, the more actually, then I think you can enjoy it. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. For that process, because, and it's, do you know what? Sometimes as well, when you're an actor and you go through maybe a long period without getting an audition, you're you're reminded of that. And actually, when you do get that audition in, I mean, you can have two responses to that. It can either be one, you have a lot of pressure because you think, God, I'm not getting many auditions anymore. This has come through the door. I want to. I've got. I've really got to nail this. Yeah. Currently, it can be like, God, these don't come that often. I best enjoy this opportunity mm. and really just enjoy the process again of building a character and, and showing people what I can do. And just getting used to that feeling um, of not hearing back and not worrying about it. You don't know yeah. you, what, what conversations are going on when people watch your tapes. And so often, and I say this to look, particularly, you know, because I do a bit of teaching and to students as well. Any job I've got has rarely, if ever, been on the first meet with a with a casting director. Never. Always because they've seen you do something, or they've seen they've seen you, they've seen you in a particular role or a situation where they think, hmm, this person's got something. Maybe this isn't quite the right fit. But then they kind of have an idea where they might place you. And then that's what can... I like about in person auditions, though, because I hate self tips because I quite like the fact of going into an audition and if I feel that it's dying or if they're switching off you can sense that and you can change it up whereas you can't do that with a self-tape. But I feel like you lose that sense of, for lack of a better word, networking at an audition. Because at the end of the day, at the moment with self-tapes, it's, hi, my name is Ingram Noble. I'm 24 years old. I'm six foot, whatever. Do the piece. Whereas maybe in an audition, it's like, how how are you doing? Or like weather. British people will always talk about the weather as we've just noticed at the start of this podcast. Uh, I don't know. I do think it's sad. And I think that my issue with it, especially as somebody who's cast stuff, I think quality over quantity is better. And I don't think it's always beneficial for everyone to get that audition. Yeah. Especially even going both sides of it. Like there's people that have, as I've cast, that don't really know the proper way to film a self-tape. That don't do it correctly and that puts you off. But then also just being somebody who's done auditions i'm like i wish i wouldn't have self-taped for that like that was pointless i was never going to get it it didn't really benefit me in any way i don't know and i think it's a lot of resources that people are spreading themselves far too thin especially in a cost of living crisis that i think it just might be might be slightly nepotistic for lack of a better word 
let me throw that back at you and ask you, as somebody who doesn't live in London, mm-hmm. lives in Glasgow, and this would be the same for a lot of actors who live around the country, my understanding of being an actor is it's very important to be in London, particularly when you're, you know, young and sort of up and coming, because that tends to be where all the face-to-face auditions are. It's, it's such a London... Minimum for me to get to London is four hours. Oh, yeah, but the, but the cost... The cost, the price, the, the train there and back. You know, this. I, I'm just saying. I'm. I'm just. I'm just. I get it. Same. But what I'm saying is interesting. You saying this is somebody who doesn't live in London because I live in London, right? Mm. I have an audition this afternoon. It take me 20, 20 minutes to get to Oxford Circus or the Victoria Line from where I am. I'm out in Walthamstow, right? Yeah. Um, it's leak your address. Yeah. <laughs> we'll probably um, beep that. Hey. We'll probably beep that. It's it's the area, so it's fine. But anyway, there's it's people a- out there that will use that to their advantage. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, anyway, it doesn't take me much time at all to get to Oxford Circus, so I can get there very quickly. It's not really a huge amount of sweat off my my back to get there. It's fine, but for for people like yourself or just actors who are living in in Manchester and Leeds or all around the country. Can you not, not see the benefit there of self-tapes? Just not having to train, train prices in this country obscene. Uh, you might be getting a couple of auditions a week. I would rebut that and say that it would be worth it in my eyes. I'm not talking for anyone else. I don't have the right to. For me, I've always said, as long as I'm doing what I love, if I'm skin, I'm skin. And you know what? Like, See if see if an audition comes up that I really want to do, I'll find a way to get there. Mm. And I think that that that's what being an actor is. Like we just said, auditioning is the job. Nobody, you never go into drama school. Like if anything, it's the opposite. Nobody says you're going to come out of here with a job. I walked in and said, by the way, uh, it's good to have a degree because you can get a management role in retail, and um, you're never going to like showcase is never going to change your life like you probably won't walk out of here with an agent like don't set yourself up so no i don't think anybody comes into this industry under grand pretenses of i'm going to walk out and get my first job and all of a sudden maybe become a millionaire don't get me wrong i thought i'd be a bit further on than what i am but like like nobody like i didn't ever sit and come out here and think well it's not going to be worth it because if it ever becomes not worth it, I wouldn't put myself through the industry. It's not like this is a very pleasurable industry where there's something that's not worth it that comes up that you can just be like, I'll pass. Like, everything has to be worth it. And I think that if you really want to do this and that you, if you want to succeed, you kind of have to put everything into it anyway. Uh, I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. I think the the, the, the point, the essential point that I was just making was in relation... Yeah benefits of self-taping but you're right no you're right and and what and basically 100% if an audition comes through the door and it's actually a necessity that they need to see you face-to-face for this audition um I don't know if that would always be the case now but I think there will be some particularly mm. if it would be if you've done you know a self-tape or you've done a zoom meet or you've done something to show initially what you can do and then they look go at you and they go yes we want to meet you face-to-face yeah you find a way to get there I think what the 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 good thing about self-taping is if you're not right for that part, they can determine that at the beginning, not waste your time getting you face to face. They can But just... I don't think it is a waste of time. Because I, I think especially at my point in my career, any audition, regardless of whether it being successful or not, is a lesson. And it's it's a it's a way for me to sort of rehearse ah, in a I... way. Good, good. And that's how we have to think of self-tapes. That, that's, it. that's it. Yeah, no, you're right. But I would also just like to very quickly say, just because I might come across like a bit of an arrogant arsehole, I'm very aware, I'm speaking for myself only, and I'm very aware that I'm in a position where I am quite lucky that I can jump on a plane to London and I have the financial means to do that. I don't want anyone to think that I'm speaking for all people that don't live in London. Um, yeah, like, I just want to be very clear. We're all speaking from our own, from our own experience. Yeah. That's good. And I was actually, just thinking about the Instagram messages I'm going to get there, calling me like a self-entitled wanker. Oh man, you're good. It's anyway. You can edit it out. You've got the power to do that, so it's all good. But I don't want to edit it out because I think it's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, yeah. I mean, what I'll say is as well because this has been a change very recently. It's inevitable that people are going to have very different feelings about yeah. it. 
And I think, do you know what it is? is the reason that I'm saying this, and actually I feel quite passionately about it, is for a period, I, like yourself, I hated self-tape. I struggled with it, man. I really mm. did. Because I'd come up with an expectation that I would have the opportunity to meet people and to communicate with people. And, and also, I think sometimes as an actor, and perhaps one of my weaknesses, and it's me being quite honest, is that I would often be quite dependent on input from others, direction yeah. from others. Self-taping, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a big transition and you, we, we can't underplay the size of it. And that means we do have to really think about it as, as actors and how we approach it differently. And but, it is here to stay, like it's happening. Like, yeah. like I'm gonna have to get on board with it, but would I prefer to be in the room as yeah. would many other actors? Yes, but yeah. am I also like appreciative of the fact that it has opened the door for me, who's a relatively newcomer into this industry. I auditioned for a fucking, I self-taped and then recalled for a West End play. That probably wouldn't have happened had I not self-taped for mm. it. But in all in all, I'd rather yeah. be in the room. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let's make, let's just hope we nail that tape and they want to see us again. <laughs> or we could just start like the new movement of no self tape. We'll change the acting industry. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But no, I think self tapes are here to stay, and I fucking hate them. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. I understand why. Um, and I'm sure. Do you know what? It is one of those things we could sit here and talk about for a long time. It's yeah. tough, and it's a big change. But I, I, from personal experience, I'm, 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 ple I'm pleading to you, Ingram. I'm reaching out. I'm reaching out to you here try and find those little elements of it that you enjoy. Yeah. My and my from my experience anyway, and I listen, it's not like my my the outcome has changed dramatically in terms of my success rate from before and mm. now, but I feel like even if there's the smallest elements of a self-tip that you can embrace, cling on to those. Cause otherwise, as you said, because I've been through it, it can be a really tedious experience. Even if it's just a simple thing of looking back, having to go back and look at, look back on yourself. I hate watching myself on camera. Oh, do you do that? I don't do that. You just do a take and send it? No, I do 63 takes. I do it until I like, because I do stage work. Mm -hmm. I can feel like I've never done film, TV stuff. Mm -hmm. I can sort of feel when it feels right. Mm -hmm. so, so I'll you... do four, 500 takes. I did a self-tape. Yeah. two weeks ago and it took me seven hours to film it oh ingram but it's like when Let's i see. feel that that one's right that's right do you know what i mean yeah so, wow that's a long time fuck it and i'd live like because yeah. i was going to ask you about like the external factors of self-taping as well because obviously like neighbors people like we don't all live alone i do but i've got really noisy fucking neighbors and 20 feet that way is a train line like yeah. I have to stay up until like four o'clock in the morning to film myself tapes, yeah. like when everything is quiet. But it's yeah. like I don't know. I'd just rather be in the room, mate. I'm so no wonder you hate doing self tapes. Yeah, because I don't like watching it because I I feel like then I go into the sense of overthinking it and I try to get it down as minutely as possible of like because I don't like planning these moments of like I'll look there or I'll do this on that line. I like it to be like yeah. in the moment and. When I'm doing like if it's a, if it's stage self tape, I will just run. I'll run it, and mm. I do like hand gestures to myself in the camera to know which one to edit in. So whatever one feels good, I've got like I just put a number up on my hand and I rate it at the end, mm. and then I can just scroll through all the screenshots and see where the numbers are. Okay. And edit it, but I will let the camera roll for hours on end, and I'll just keep going. Uh, okay, I'm got, I, I'm with you. Um, okay, in, interesting. Wow. TV stuff, I will maybe go a little bit more into like watching it and figuring it out. But stage, I think it's down to just my feeling. Okay, fine. And it's mostly worked for me. I mean, I've not booked anything, but I've I've been recalled for everything I've done. So well, who am I to tell you otherwise? If it's working for you, you 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 do you. I think everyone has their own method I to their madness. I have a I have a kind of thing now where I'll do um I'll do three takes, three takes, and then I'll stop and I'll I won't look at it for a little bit and then I'll just look at it with fresh eyes, mm. um, the one that I like the most and send it off. I don't spend more than fifteen minutes now on a self tape. Um, Two and, different people. 
this is it. And this and it's, and that's beautiful. And that's fine. You know, we all and, and actually it goes back to you know the, the the crux of this stuff, which is actually as actors, we have our own methods, we have our own way of doing things, and essentially has to be what works for us. But it was it it was it was more just actually for my for my sort of almost almost like my mental well-being of going through a self tape for me as well when I'm doing the tape if I once I've done it a few times I I feel like for me anyway the scene is kind of dead I I, I yeah and again that's just that's just me but um I find it very difficult then to to bring it back to life I almost have it's almost like that that initial instinct that I have and that impulse that I have to do it a particular way I have to trust that because as soon as I go beyond that I then get to the stage where I'm in my head thinking too much about what I'm doing, trying too hard. And so often when I've done these self-tapes and I look back, it's one of the first one or one, two or three takes that I'd always take do anyway. Anything beyond that would be my, my performance would become measured. It would become um, self-conscious and essentially just pretty, pretty sh shocking acting really just, you know, just, just, just very, self-aware acting which is mm. what no one wants to see really yes you want to see some some someone who's just looking who's just alive and real yeah that's that's it that's that's what it is whatever takes whatever works for you to get to that point then you do that um and of course the considerations that you're saying about flat sharing and neighbors and stuff like that you know that is difficult but I always think as well with a self-tape is even if there's a bit of drilling in the background, if my performance is good, I'm sending Send it. I'm sending the tape. If you know there's a cat at the window trying to trying to get in, I'm sending the tape if the performance is good. It's, it's, uh, and you you just have to trust that that's essentially what they're looking for. That's it. That's yeah. What, you know. Mm. I mean, I do want to move on because I did just check the time and we have been talking about self-tapes for 25 minutes. And I imagine that this is going to be a very riveting conversation to listen back to. Edit that away, I'm sure. Oh, no, I genuinely, I think it's good. And I rarely actually like delve into like acting things. I'm normally like, what did you steal from set? <laughs> like that sort of thing. So maybe people will actually like me talking about like actual acting shit. Who knows? But what, what I do like to ask everybody that comes on the podcast is how did you get into acting? And what was your first ever role? Doesn't have to be professional. We love a good nativity story. Brilliant. So first, um, yeah, my first sort of uh, entrance to to acting, my first experience of it was at the Anishare Theatre School, which is in which was in North London, Islington, which is where I was uh, brought up. My um, my parents put me on the waiting list because back then there used to be a long waiting list to get into Anishare. Mm. It was very competitive to get a place there, um, and. Uh, I didn't actually get in through the waiting list. I did a summer school. So back then they did this thing where you would do a week summer school. And then at the end of the week, the teacher would pick two students to essentially skip the waiting list and get a place at the school. Yeah. Uh, and I was one of those students. I was 11, 11 years old. So I was just finishing primary school, going to secondary school. So when I started secondary school, I started at the Anishare Theatre School. Uh, and I was there for... For years, for years, they were my first agent. And my first role was at the Anishare Theatre School, although at that point there'd been a change of management. So it was now called the Young Actors Theatre and they did a production of Peter Pan. And I played, oh, what's his name? The pirate with all the tattoos. Oh, you're going to make me look really shit, especially when I'm about to show you what I've got in my hand. I'm not going to make you look shit. Black, but no, you are. because remember. Peter Pan is my my speciality. Oh my lord, you have a toy. It was it was my it was a Christmas present from my mum. Peter Pan was the first film I ever saw in the cinema. It was like my childhood obsession. That's amazing. That's beautiful. And uh, the story behind that was my mum bought me it when the voice of Peter Pan from the second Disney film came on the podcast. Wow. And my <laughs> mum bought me that. That's really sweet. Do you know what? I actually have a really sweet um, Peter Pan memory involving my mum as well. One of my, maybe one of my earliest memories is my mum singing the song that Wendy sings to the Lost Boys to send them asleep. Love that. One of my earliest memories as a human. I just remember her singing that to me, almost as a lullaby to send me mm. to that. So Peter Pan has a very, yeah. It has a massive place in my heart. I remember 
it's one of my earliest memories. I can't remember watching the film in the cinema. It was the second one, the Return to Neverland. But I remember vividly the credits, the color of the credits. It was bright blue, like light blue. And it had like the map around the edge of the screen and all the credits down the middle, which is weird that I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, Peter Pan is like, it has a has a place in my heart. I'd I'd love to play him, but I'm too old now, so I uh, I am setting my heart on Hook. Yeah, and Peter Pan, he just he doesn't he doesn't get older, does he? Yeah, and the grey hairs on my head proving that I am not getting any younger. But yeah, take that's it, man. Just get yourself do all the preparation, get yourself ready for Captain Hook. A few years time, I'm oh, ready. Years time, unless it's a. I, a I mean, like I can. Go older, I can go older. I played Macbeth, like, yeah. can't go younger, but I can go older. Anybody out there that wants to cast me, my email is in the show notes below. Please get in touch, <laughs> work relatively cheaply. Um, but talking about like drama schools and stuff, um, if my legal stalking, what I like to call my research, is correct, you went to Arts Ed, yeah. How was that? Loved it, fantastic, wonderful teachers, wonderful school, had lovely classmates, some of them I'm still in touch with now. Um, we all kind of just keep an eye on each other on social media. You know how it is. Um, and give general support to each other. Oh, um, I unfollowed. I came out and was like, bye, 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 bye. No, I try. Well, obviously. You, you no, know, I'm keep... kidding. I still keep in touch with some of them. <laughs> you don't keep in touch with everyone. That's just not realistic. And it's the same if you're involved in a production and stuff. But uh, there are some some who I'm still in contact with sort of you know ad hoc and they are and generally I, I i always keep an eye on them online because i like to know what they're doing and, and like to see that they're all well one of them got married the other day which is amazing and you know it's just nice and in terms of the actual training there art said honestly i look back on it with so much fond memories and mm. actually i yes i learned a lot um which is what you principally go there for but i actually just had a really good time i had a really really good time it was a barrel of laughs and, you know, I had the opportunity to to play such great characters from great plays. You know, we, we you know, Chekhov, Miller. You know, we did all with Shakespeare. We did all that stuff. So What's your favourite Shakespeare play? Oh, God. That's really hard. I love A Midsummer Night's Dream. I really do. I can get on board with that. I did it at drama school. And I did it when I left drama school. I did a production of it in Windsor Castle. And I... It... Just drop that in casually. Oh well, yeah. Windsor Castle—that's quite fucking great, actually. That was good fun, man. Did was... um did she come and see it? Um, no, unless she was undercover somewhere, but I don't believe she was. No, she wasn't there. It was it was the Windsor, it was the Windsor Gardens. So not the castle itself. It was the gardens. So it was it was an out. It was a sort of um, what would you call it? Like a site specific. Yeah. You know, I was about to call it on location. I don't know why, but site specific is the correct term. I believe, I believe it's the uh, correct terminology. <laughs> yeah, it is. As yeah, soon no, as you said it, I was like, I'm so glad I didn't say on location. I think it's one of those because when you're in a Shakespeare production, you 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 appreciate it more because yeah. the language is so so dense. You have to really study it. You can't just you know learn the lines and do it. You really have to delve quite deeply into it. Your main um, job with Shakespeare is making sure everybody understands what the fuck you're saying. 100%. 100%. And actually, if you do that, you know, you're kind of, you, yeah, you're on a winning, a winning run, really. But as, long, as long as people understand what's going on, everything else is already there in the story. And, the, the, you know, I mean, I mean, you hear lots of different opinions about Shakespeare, and it usually relates to your experience of it. Mm, so a lot of people 100%. don't like it. They studied it at school. And now, of course, Shakespeare, Shakespeare's texts are literally literacy you know wonders they're amazing like the language but they're plays they're plays they're for seeing in the theater yeah, they're not meant to be read and annotated be pulled apart like we would a novel um so i think that's why people have such mixed um you know sort of feelings about it and also you're allowed to like people yeah. are hate shakespeare like it's that's absolutely fine i happen to really like it and I've, I've 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 had really good experiences going to the theatre and watching Shakespeare, uh, and doing it. And yeah, so I think *A Midsummer Night's Dream* simply because I've done it a couple of times. I feel like it's a play that I really understand, and I have seen some really great productions of it. It makes me laugh. I think it's really good fun, uh, truly magical. And 
Yeah, that's what I'm going for. What are you going for? Have you got Macbeth. One? All day, every day. Scottish play. I played Macbeth in secondary school. I played Macbeth in drama school. And I, I'm waiting to play him professionally. RSC, please hit me up. Yeah, that's but... that's bucket list shit, playing Macbeth yeah. professionally. That's like, oh, I've got a couple of things, mostly of people who I want to work with. Like, I'd love to do something that Susan Nixon has written because she's one of my heroes. Um, I'd love to work with David Threlfall, but I'd also love to do Macbeth with the Royal Shakespeare Company. Fantastic. That's like my shit. Like, I love Macbeth. I saw a very memorable production of Macbeth years ago. It was Sean Bean. Yeah, Macbeth. it was so fucking good. Samantha Bond as Lady Macbeth. Wonderful. I Absolutely. watched a, a nice little bootleg of it on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you are you are a Macbeth fanboy. Fair. Yeah. Absolutely. I've only ever watched, I've only ever went out of my way to watch two Shakespeare shows that were bootlegs. Okay. I, I go to see Shakespeare all the time. I love it. But it was Macbeth with Sean Bean and Much Ado About Nothing with Catherine Tate and David Tennant. <laughs> yes, yes. I've not seen that. I've actually seen it's it. great. Okay, noted. Like, noted. I'll send you the YouTube link. Please, please do. <laughs> but it is, it's great. But one of my favourite things along the drama school vein, they fuel my life. We're going to play a game about them in a minute. Yeah. Funny or crazy drama school stories. Because shit goes on behind those doors that people do not believe. Do you have a favourite story or crazy moment that you can share with us? Um, yeah, obviously there are many, but the first one that springs to mind is we were... <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, looking back on it now, it was it, it was just one of those really stupid, pretentious, actory moments when you're trying to when you're trying to impress your teacher or you're just trying to show people how how seriously you take it, how good mm. you are. That nonsense. I was I was doing an exercise. It was um, it was we were doing uh, the Meisner technique. So, you know, sort of responding, you know, getting your responsive muscles warmed up, as it were, or going. And we're doing this responding exercise. And it, we ended up, it was me and this this other guy in my year, and we ended up basically just going a bit crazy doing this Meister technique to the point where I sort of ripped his T-shirt off and was, like, ready to sort of spit on his T-shirt. Um <laughs> The teacher had to sort of jump up and just go, okay, stop, 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 stop. Um, I remember at the time feeling like, yeah, that was that was amazing. I feel amazing. Um, and then as the day went on, I kind of just looked back at it thinking, what was that? What was Poor that? boy's not got a t-shirt anymore. Like, why did I? Why did I do that? That was that was a bit that was a bit silly. I sort of yeah, I'd I'd kind of had his t-shirt in my hand and I was just ready to <laughs> spit on it. I was looking at him and going, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Um, very, very silly. Very Isn't silly. Isn't it mad though that we've all been to different drama schools up the length and breadth of the country? Like, very rarely, apart from Guildford, I think that's where the most people on this podcast have been. Um, but like, everyone's been to a different drama school, or whether they just did it at college, we've all done the same shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. we've yeah. all done the responding yeah. technique of like one, two, one, two, one. We've all done the mammoth repetition stuff. It's mad, isn't it, that we've literally all lived the same lives? Yes, they're, they're strong foundations. I mean, don't, did you ever get that feeling where I used to have it all the time when I was at drama school, and I'd be in a class, and I might zone out for a minute and just think, God, imagine just walking past and looking through the window. Somebody, I would love... You're not a part of this world. Like, what, what would you think? What would you I... think? I think that it, there's a lot of money to be made in it. If you know anybody that can, you can put me in touch with so I can earn a lot of money off of it. Remember like the Educate in Yorkshire style, like docu-series Fly on the Wall. Why has nobody stuck cameras in RADA or the Conservatoire? <laughs> what, like why, or why has nobody written a sitcom about drama? There's so much material there. Yeah. But I think, like, could you imagine, like, sitting down? I'd watch it, like, educating Rada. Well, of course we would, because we're we're actors, aren't we? But no, the I think... The first episode would have shit ratings. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it would be um, highly amusing. And I think there are... There, there's, a, there's a, I think, a common perception that being an actor is, is kind of, you know, sim similar to almost like being, like, a rock star, you know, the glamour. The glamour of being... I don't think I've had one glamorous moment. I mean, let's be honest, mate. It, it, the acting is very unglamorous as a profession. It's 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 actually quite gritty, 
Um, and yeah, like I think when, when you think about what makes a good performance and stuff, and because a lot of that work, you know, a lot of the work that you have to do to, to, to get to certain places and stuff does involve making a complete, you know, fool out of yourself. We know that. That's part of the process. But I think a lot of people who aren't actors find that side of it completely unusual and bizarre. Oh. And how does how does doing, you know, running around like an, you know, like an elephant or like a monkey or, you know, like if you're doing sort of animal studies, how is that going to inform this performance that we're seeing you do on the stage or in TV? And it's like get, <laughs> how you can bring such these obscene exercises and then, and then use them in a, in a subtle way. People, people, will, I think, would naturally struggle to understand that. Um, yeah, like, I think if you told someone that has never done anything before, right, we're going to do uh, Monday morning, you're going to come into my bedroom at nine o'clock and we're going to try and make ourselves cry by thinking about all of the traumatic stuff that has gone on in our lives yeah. at nine o'clock on a Monday morning most of us would be sectioned if we tried to do that well this this is a, another interesting one i think there is a lot more awareness and sensitivity now oh yeah it's changed they don't do that anymore because before and I, by the way i don't blame the teachers for this at all like but no it was standard practice it, it was just a stand, the standard sort of practice but there was very sort of little care or or awareness on that side of things of how certain things can be particularly trigger triggering for students or or what's going on elsewhere. And I'm not actually, this is nothing to do with what I experienced at ArtSed. ArtSed was actually very good on a lot of those things, generally, yeah, generally same. my personal experience. But you do hear stories of, of what fellow actors have been through, and not just at drama school, by the way, but in rehearsal rooms. Um, and and sometimes the, uh, yeah, the lack of emotional care or awareness. It, I think as actors, sometimes you're expected that part of the job is to use your emotional baggage. Yeah. It's understandable. That is our job. But actually, we still have to go out in the world afterwards and exist. And be... I think it's getting better with the as the younger generations rise up the ranks. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. These these things now are being like addressed. And there has to be a way that as actors that we can absolutely make ourselves vulnerable because vulnerability is like the, the sort of you know the where you can where you can tap into that sense of vulnerability. That's the kind of the holy grail. Mm, yeah, essentially, is it's 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 vulnerable. It's all about vulnerability. So we have to go to a, a place where we're vulnerable, but then do do that in a safe way. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. Do that in a safe way, and it it's possible. So let's do it. But I would just like to put it out there that I now own the intellectual rights of educating Rada. And if anybody out there wants to commission it, um, emails in the show notes below. There's a date on this video. So anyone who comes comes up with the idea later. I've said it for years about like a sitcom, something like that. And it's just because the shit that goes on that's just mental. Also, actors all shag each other like rabbits. Like, it'd be fucking hilarious, I'm not gonna lie. Like, we watch these Geordies get drunk in a house, we watch all these posh people in Chelsea. Why not stick some cameras in RADA? Or any drama school. It doesn't have to be RADA. RADA's the most famous one, so let's just say RADA. So they'll pro but they probably will say no because they're the most famous one. Yeah. Reputation. It'll be like a community college in, like, Hull. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Will be, exactly, it'll be a, a a drama degree course somewhere, yeah. Yeah, like that'll be it. They'll be like, right, we're doing the, the educating degree. Like, yeah, definitely, and it will definitely be whole. It will definitely be <laughs> Which may, like, seeing how far we come on, might be in my South Divider pretty soon. No, that's a bit ridiculous, isn't it? Hull's Northern, they don't speak correctly. I've, uh, I've, I've met great people from Hull. No, I'm not slagging it off. I love no, no, no. good Northern accent. I've been to Hull, but any everyone I've met from Hull has just been an absolute legend, to be honest with you. I'd love but, to uh, what, what I do want to ask you um, is, you've had such a successful career and you've done so many amazing things. Have you ever had like a what the fuck is happening moment? How the fuck did I get here? That sort of thing. In a good way. Oh, in a good way? Yeah, um, we won't talk about the trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, honestly not really to be honest with you i think there was a moment um when i was 
I think there was a moment when I was doing the unreturning with Frantic Assembly and it was the press night. And is that the Anna Jordan play? It is the Anna Jordan. Is that the one that's got the monologue in it about um, when I come home? Oh, well, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The opening that's, monologue. That's my go-to monologue for auditions. One minute. So which one monologue are we going with? Because there's, there's, there's three of the different characters. I've got it on my phone. I haven't done it in a while. I can't remember. It's like the one where it's what I want the back. Uh, I want the back room of the lion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Frankie. Yes. Um, or is it Frank? Frank. I've got Frankie. Frankie. Um, yeah. So so I played George. That, um, I've never read the full play. Someone sent it to me. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to should... return to my home. I want yeah. a hero's welcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's um that's Frankie. So I played George. Um, I will order the play and read it. Yeah, do 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 do. Um, it's a wonderful play. Um, there, and there are actually lots of other really good monologues in there as well. Um, if you just wanted to get some other choices, um, some other options. Uh, I was really sick of just doing what I was doing, and I was I was directing something, and one of the cast members was my age, and I was like, "What do you audition with? Give me it." Great, and I stole it. It's 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 um because this you know relatively new play. I think it was two thousand and. When did we do it? 2018. Um, we we opened with that, but yeah, because I'd worked, I did Forensic Assembly, uh, the ignition program in 2009. I looked up to the company. I'd seen, yeah, you know their productions, their work. You and, might know one of my old lecturers. Um, what's her name? Kirsty McCormick. Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, I, I know of her. I've done workshops with her. Um, I don't know her that that well. But she, uh, we, we, we're in the same sort of circles because we both do the odd bit with Frantic mm. Assembly. So I've done some workshops with she her. She taught yeah. me last year. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. In terms of, if you're asking about that moment where you're sort of looking at yourself going, wow, this feels great. Like, I, it was never like, it, was, it, it, it wasn't so much a sense of like, wow, how did I get here? You know, I felt like I'd been, you know, I'd earned it, you know? Like, I felt yeah. like I'd, I'd worked hard, we'd... I'd built up a relationship with this company for a long, long, long time. But, but, it, but it was it was one of those moments where I just felt so sort of fulfilled in my uh, as an actor. I felt like, man, this 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 is what this is why I do this. Do you, you know, like there are there are moments we feel the opposite where we have to do things and we just go, God, like this is this is not what I kind of signed up for. You know, this that, that was that was the absolute pinnacle opposite where I felt like I was involved in a production with genuinely the most talented creative team you could imagine. I mean, from the sound design, the lighting design, everybody who was involved with that production, they were, they were kind of incredible, to be honest with you. Mm. And I just felt like completely in awe of, of what was going on around me um, and the way, the way things came together. It was a great collaborative process. And it was th that press night where I was obviously very, very, very nervous, but also just felt, God, this is like, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. Um, yeah. Really lovely. It was a really lovely feeling. I love frantic stuff. It's like, I, I love it as an audience member. I don't think I'd be very good at it. I'm not very nimble. Yeah, they do. They, you, well, they, you'd be surprised. You know, they, they, they work with actors, really. I mean, they yeah, have... But it's movement. Yeah, I know it is. But actually, one of, one of I think one of the brilliant things about Frantic Assembly is, and particularly if you participate in their workshops, is you really surprise yourself with what you can achieve. Like, that, and, and that's the, when you watch a frantic production or you watch the outcome of a workshop, you're kind of thinking, God, how do they do that? Or like, how, how did they get there? But then once you're involved in the creative process, it's, it's extraordinary. It just happens. And, it, and, it's, and it's credit to the, the practitioners there, the people who run the company, because they really do know how to run a process, a devising process. Yeah. Um, and the amount of times that I've seen people who aren't very nimble, at least to begin with, go to a place where out of sheer necessity, because it's, it, it's, it's all just problem solving. You, you present yourself with a problem, you find a way through it. And then suddenly before you know it, you're doing stuff that you think, God, I didn't know I could do this. That That is their, their real strength. Um, no, I do think they would be like, OK, Ingram, we didn't have a narrator in this before. But now yeah. we're going to put you in an armchair stage left with a book in your hand and you just speak. And don't move. Believe in yourself, Ingram. Come on. I, I do believe in myself. I, I back myself in so many areas. Movement is not one of them. <laughs>
you know what, mate? Fair enough. If you would, if you to ask me to get up and sing a song, I'd, I'd, I'd be the same. Oh, oh I, I cried twice at drama school when I had to sing. Really? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it is one of those things. It, it, it's such a tough thing to get up and do if you're not com- mm. comfortable with. Because also, with singing, te- from a technical point of view, like nerves just bring about constriction. And if like you, it really is that that thing where if you, if you're if you allow the nerves to overtake you and singing, you, you're just going to sound even worse. Yeah, at least you're a double threat though. You can do movement and acting. I'm just a single threat. I'll take that double threat. <laughs> you can now become an official drama school dropout. We're now on Patreon, and you can help this podcast grow on so many levels. As an official Drama School Dropout, you'll have access to unique benefits, including exclusive early access to episodes before anyone else. To become an official Drama School Dropout, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash drama school dropout. Um, we're going to play a game now, and this is one of my favourite things in the world. It's called Stage Right or Stage Shy. It's three stories. Two of them are the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and have been submitted by listeners. One of them is a big fat lie made up by our producer, Hev, and it's our job to find out which one is the lie. I've got the answer in a sealed envelope so we can play along together, because I love this shit. And they're great. Number one, and it's really quite fitting that you brought this play up earlier. I was directing a modern adaptation of A Midsummer Night's Dream in which we had Hermia, Helena, Lysander and Demetrius camping. So we had a tent on stage and at one point we had Helena and Lysander in the tent while other stuff went on. Turns out they had sex in the tent every single night. Number two, I'm a casting director and I asked an actor for a full body image one day and he gave me an 8 by 10 of him wearing a mankini. Number three, during my third year of drama school, one of my classmates had to drop out because he booked a lead role on the West End. And we all, as a class, wrote him a good luck card. Halfway through the day, I commandeered the card and wrote a note in it with my left hand. I wrote, bye, John. I'll miss our late night naked chess games, X. It's safe to say everyone was perplexed. Right. The first question that I've got, and you will know this more, is it plausible that Helena and Lysander are in a tent together? I think it is. I think they're the two that get together. Well, I should know this. Um... Because I think Lysander is supposed to be with Hermia, but when the spell gets put on, he runs away to Helena. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly. So they spend a lot of on-stage time together. So So if they were in a tent... Right? If they were in a tent, like, being put off till the next bit, it's plausible that they could have sex. I mean, yeah. That... I mean, it's a risky... risky business. One minute. And the stage is... the, the, The tent is on... On stage. On stage. Oh, my God. I mean, if that's true, that is insane. I kind of hope it is true because I want them to be able to get away with that. But also, like, it's kind of like forcing however many people there is in the audience to kind of unknowingly witness porn. Yeah, suddenly it's like you're in an Amsterdam sex show. Yeah. I mean, number two, I hope that's true. I really hope that that person went to Boots and printed out an eight by 10 of him wearing a mankini. I think the thing is, these are all believable. These yeah. are all um, the thing with the the first story, every night, I mean, there must be some nights when you just, it's just, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, depends. I, I would quite like to know what level it was at because if it was professional, I would say that's a lie. But if it was a student show, I would put money on it being true. Fuck, man. I depends how long the run was. If it's a six month run, it's a lie. If it's a week run, it's true. Or the more I think of the logistics of this the more I'm thinking this can't be true. Also, how big's the tent? But, yeah. And just also, like, I mean, we're getting into sort of different territory here, but sex is kind of messy, man. Like, what, what, what's going to happen? Like, yeah. Nah, man. Uh, that, no, I'm sorry, but this cannot be true. That is mad. Um, If that's true, wow. So are we both going for number one as the lie? Well, remind me the third one again. It's the... The, the one... Th- he drops out the good luck card and the person just wrote a random note in it saying, bye, John, I'll miss our late night naked chess games X. Yeah. Which is something I would do. I'd write something stupid in somebody's card. Yeah, yeah. I believe that. I My mum never signs a card with a name. She always signs it me from me. 
and she loves the best part about it for her is watching people post it on Facebook and be like, who's me? <laughs> and I'm like, it is kind of like twisted and sadistic, isn't it? Also, I have, I have this thing where if I'm signing a card, I don't just want to say the, you know, the, the same old thing, just like, you know, best of luck. Love Jared. You know what I mean? It's like, you want to have something a little bit personal. So I get that. I, I'm, I'm, but not I think, naked late night chess games. Nah, I think, I, I, yeah. I mean, this is these are drama students. I'm going. I'm going. Yeah, that's that's real. That's real. Yeah. I'm going I, for number one with you. I think. Feeny real as well. Actors do weird things to try and stand out. I think I would not go that far though. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Ask it personally. I mean, no, I know, but I'm just saying. Things would have to be mighty desperate. I, I don't think it would get that low for me. I think I'd be applying for, like, I'd be in that fucking place in Hull, being, like, acting up for the cameras yeah. instead of putting a mankini on. Right, we're going I, for one. I with... think I'm going for number one. Let's go for one. God, if, this, if that's true. Number two. Shit. So the mankini was the lie. Okay. Right. Heather, if you're listening to this, I need more information on number one. Please find the email or if it's on the Google form, see if we can contact them because I need to know the specifics. Yeah, some details. Not sex specifics, but like level of like professionalism. Was it a student show? How long was the run? What kind of, how many man tent was it? That is wild. That is wild. And also I would like to congratulate them for, for getting away with it. Yeah, that, to be fair. Um, likewise. Big congratulations. Mm. That's extraordinary. I'm, yeah. I'm going to think about that all week. If you've got a story for stage right or stage shite at home, please um, scroll down in the show notes below and submit on the Google form. And um, hopefully it's as fucked up as that. I mean, yeah, but it's going to take that. Oh, no, the, I can think of worse ones that have came through. Honestly, the, the, I'm going on like this is, this is crazy. I bet you there's loads of people at home just listening, thinking, that's nothing. There was one guy, episode, was Jasmine Franks, another Hollyoaks uh, uh, alum, and 71, I think it was, this guy got caught wanking in the wings of his final drama school performance and got expelled. Because he was a danger wanker. And um, and then that followed yeah. was followed by just a flow of danger wanker stories that came into my email. <laughs> which I was like, don't that know is... how half of you have got away with this, but I don't need to know this. No, that is, that's twisted, man. That's true. Do that, do that I, shit. Yeah, 100%. I do want to very briefly talk to you about Hollyoaks because that's where I imagine a lot of people will know you from. Do you have a favourite behind-the-scenes moment from the show? Oh, I mean, favourite behind-the-scenes moment. Wow, I'm having to really... Um, Dig to... back in the memories. I had so many good moments. Um, I made so many... And again, I, know I was talking earlier about drama school. It's the same with Hollyoaks, really. And it was almost like a... A university experience in many ways because I was quite young. I was 24 when I started. And My age now. There you go. Not to make I, you feel old. Do you know I, I'm cool with that, man. I quite like it. I like being. I'm, I'm in my. I'm early. 30, I'm 31, and I and I'm big in 30s. There were there was a group of us around. Sort of all around the same age, and you know we'd we'd work hard. We'd have to work hard. We'd have to do a lot of work. Learn line, learning lots of lines, and all the rest of it. But then we'd go out and we'd, we'd have fun and we'd get to do cool yeah. stuff. And also part, part one of the great benefits of being in something like Hollyoaks is you get invited to really cool shit. Like, yeah. you know, events and stuff like that. So there used to be just a lot of really good, memorable nights out. Um, I remember the first few months of Hollyoaks, I was quite stressed generally. I found it quite difficult. It all happened very quickly in terms of me getting a job. I had to move up to Liverpool. My life changed very quickly and... I wasn't used to working in that way where everything was had to be done very quickly. Yeah. And, you know, like if you've not done that before, no matter what your experience is, it does take time to adapt and it does take time to, to learn. And I feel like as well, I had a lot, I felt that there was a lot of pressure on myself because I knew that this was perhaps going to be the first time people were going to see me on TV doing anything really. I hadn't done much TV before. Uh, and I was just very nervous about it. So, I couldn't really enjoy those first few months, to be honest with you. But once I got the first sort of three months out of the way, once my first few episodes were aired on TV, I kind of just relaxed into it. I had a big storyline quite early on, which involved a night shoot. 
And I think from that point onwards, I was in. Do you know mm. what I mean? So they've killed half your family off now, haven't they? I think they're all gone, actually. I don't. I. I. I struggle to keep up. I see the odd thing on, on social media because I still follow follow them on social media and I try and keep up with little bits here and there. But I think uh, your older brother's still there. Your yeah, younger brother and your sister are gone. Wonderful actor, lovely, lovely guy. Um Gregory Finnegan. I remember his audition. He was so brilliant. <laughs> he he came in for a um for a chemistry read with all of us, the family, you know. Mm. Uh, and my God, phenomenal. You just, you, you, we just all knew straight away that it was going to be him. Yeah, I, I love moments like that when it like clicks. Oh, it was so, it was just patently obvious that it could only be him. My second to last question for you before we wrap it all up is, um, if you could pick anyone in the world, they have to be alive to do a two-hander with in the West End. Who would you pick? Paul Newman. No, Paul. that's a good, that's a good answer. I like that. He's the um, he's the one that I often go back to for inspiration. Um, I love his films. I love his I, I, him just as an actor. Um, I think he is he's the one for me um, in terms of you know film stars. As yeah, it were. Uh, I, I think he's just just the one. But there, there, I mean, listen, there are many. There yeah, are there's many. lists. Um, but I, I would I would just say Paul Newman because I'd be I'd just be so excited about um, going opposite. And you said it has to be res- somebody resurrected, so it's presumably somebody who's passed. No, it was they have to be alive. Oh, oh, because Paul Newman's not alive. Sorry, oh. only ones that are resurrected. No, I, they have to be alive because I say that because oh. l- last year I asked somebody the question. They said who I still can't talk about it because it's not out. I asked someone the question. They said X Y Z. Phoned me two weeks later saying, hey, by the way, I've just booked a job with X. Oh, my God. So we're, like, manifesting. That's amazing. Okay, so actually, okay, fine. So scrap that then. Yeah. Fuck Paul. Sadly passed away. I'm going to go... Any actor who's alive, who I, who I... If I could... No budget, like... Do a two-hander with. Brad Pitt. Good answer. I like that. Brad Pitt. Mm. I'll carry on my tradition of that's now, like, a hundred and... 10 weeks old, something like that. And it's starting to feel very personal that it hasn't happened. Um, Catherine Tate loves to two-hander with her in the West End. She'd make me look like a piece of shit, and I'm fully at peace with it. One minute, I just said Brad Pitt, mate. So, uh, who's looking like a piece of shit opposite Brad Pitt? In my (laughs) eyes, like I'm just going to fully say this, in my eyes, Catherine Tate's one of the best actors in the world. Uh, Mate, she's wonderful. And I just think everybody has different taste levels. Like Brad Pitt's not really like my cup of tea. That's fair enough. I, I, I yeah, I, I think we look at the, the repertoire of work that he's done, um, and just the sheer class that he brings to everything he does. What, what, uh, for me, just incredible. Yeah, I'm not dragging you for your choice. Don't worry. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just justifying. I'm justifying my choice. I'm doing it to myself. <laughs> That's all it is. No, the main reason I'd look like a piece of shit next to Catherine is because I feel like there's a lot of people that you can do anything with, whereas she's going to be funnier than me no matter fucking what we do. Yeah, and I'm going to look like a piece of shit, and I'm fine with that. She's a unique talent. She's very funny and she's very clever. Very, very clever. But my final question for you: We have a closing tradition on the podcast, and I do feel inclined to get uh, to again say, "I did not steal this from Diary of a CEO by Stephen Bartlett." I thought of it all by myself, and then started listening to Diary of a CEO by Stephen Bartlett, and realised that he does it as well. But it was too good to pass up. Um, so I asked the previous guest to leave a question for the current guest, and they don't know who they're asking. You won't know who you're asking. But it's quite funny the amount of things that we've brought up and then it's came up in later questions on this podcast. The question that's been left for you is if you were a professional wrestler, prof- uh, professional wrestler, what would your walkout song be? This is a very, very, very good question. Mine would be another one bites dust by Queen. Good choice. That's gonna get you and the audience hyped. That's gonna work. I'm really trying to picture the moment, you know, I'm trying to I'm also I'm not just thinking about the song, I'm thinking about the graphics. I'm thinking about what I'd be wearing. You know, so like what's the what's the theme? I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Michael Jackson. Okay. I'm, I'm on gonna board. Go, I'm gonna go beat it. Love that. But what question would you like to leave for the next guest? It doesn't have to be acting related. Somebody asked about the weather once. 
what's coming up next for you? So I'm currently in rehearsals for a documentary film, um, which I'll be playing the sort of live action element of the documentary. Love that. Um, so I, I probably, I, I shouldn't, I won't say too much just because I'm, I'm not really sure in terms of where we are in terms of what we can, what I can and can't yeah. say when it's, it's early production, but it's, um, so I, I won't say too much at this stage um, just because I don't know, but it, I'm sure it'd be fine for me to say, but I, I wouldn't want to take, take the, um, the, the chance just in case, um, but I'm enjoying it. Um, I think we shoot in mid-October. So yeah, that's currently what I'm doing. And then beyond that, we'll see. Where can everyone find you on social media to keep up to date with what you're doing? Keep up to date. Good question. So, um, do you know what? I'm, I'm terrible with. I've got up. it up. At Jared Garfield on Instagram and at Jared Garfield one on Twitter. But thank you so much for coming. Come to the end now. Thank you so much for coming on. It's genuinely been such a pleasure chatting to you. And I know it's it's taken us a while to get here. Yeah, I know COVID and what have you. But anyway, I will let you get back to normal life because I know you've got an audition this afternoon. Very best of luck for that. And if you're ever in Glasgow, hit me up. First round is on me, but because you're the working actor, the rest are on you. I can't argue with that. <laughs> I will let you get back to normal life. Thank you so much for coming on. It's genuinely been such a pleasure. Love and light. Take care of yourself, man. All the- And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode 115 completed. Thank you so much to Jared for coming on the podcast, and make sure to follow us both on social media, which you'll find down in the show notes below. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave us a rating and a review on the podcast. It helps us out so much you don't even know. And don't forget, if you have a story for Stage Right or Stage Shite, please scroll down into the show notes and click the link to the Google form and submit your story, and who knows, you may be featured on the podcast. While you're down in the show notes make sure to visit our patreon and become an official drama school dropout for loads of exclusive benefits that nobody else has access to we are continuing the drama school dropout two-year anniversary celebrations for the entirety of december well i say entirety next week is our last week of 2022 for the podcast we'll be here on tuesday and thursday with two major episodes to finish off the year Thank you so much for all of the support that you've shown me in 2022. It's been such a mental year and I can't wait to see what 2023 has to offer. Have a great week. Stay safe. I love you. Drama school dropout. No graduation day for you. Drama school dropout. Fuck your whole course. Now try something new. I'm a school girl.